0: You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? we can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett.
1: All right, so we're here this morning. Well, it's this morning for me, it's this afternoon for you, but I'm here with Herb Hunter. Uh, Herb is a friend from uh, years back. We met uh, at the Atlantic Pastors Theology Forums here in New Brunswick, Uh, enjoyed fellowship with Herb as he was pastoring in St. John area at the time. Um, Herb and his family felt the call to missions, Um, uh, and I'll let you elaborate a little bit on that, Herb, but um, this morning, I, th- I thought it would be really interesting for us to talk to you a little bit about what it's like for a pastor and his family with children to go from New Brunswick, in Atlantic Canada, and move to Naisna, South Africa. Um, so, Herb, welcome, and uh, and it's nice to have you here.
2: Yeah, thanks, Grant. It's great to be uh, to be joining you. I do talk to people from New Brunswick from time to time, but uh, it's always nice to renew acquaintance with folks that I haven't seen in in quite a while. You're looking well.
1: Oh, well, thanks, buddy. You too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. We moved to South Africa in October of 2017. So we're coming out, we're just closing in on three years now on the mission field. And we, you know, we had a great life in New Brunswick. We enjoyed what God had for us there. And we, uh, we visited the mission field to come see some missionaries that we had supported as a church. And God just used that experience to, I think, probably rekindle a desire that was there for foreign missions from, you know, really from adolescence. But um, we prayed earnestly for many months and just felt that this was what God had for us. So we moved here in 2017 with our four kids, all of whom were teenagers at the time.
1: Wow. And, uh, and so that experience, I mean, I was a PK, I was a, an, I'm in a pastor's kid growing up and I remember, you know, moving and what that was like. And, uh, it was always within Canada and it was always within a few hundred miles so I can't imagine, I mean, what kind of preparation or, or what kind of culture shock was involved with that for for those teenagers?
2: Yeah, well, it, it was, a, I know it was a shock for our kids. We visited the field with them prior to moving here just to try to give them a little bit of a sense because... They would have been flying blind otherwise. They wouldn't have had a clue what they were coming to. So that was a big help. But And we had a team of people here that we minister alongside of. We all have sort of different ministry uh, skills and, and giftings. But, you know, I, I mean, I think all my kids did remarkably well, considering that we are in a very different culture. Africa is not North America. And um, it really... After you've been here for a little bit, you start to get that sense of, oh, this is really different. Um, So they've, they've done well. You know, each of them would probably have had their own set of struggles. My oldest son started university here and did not do extremely well that first year he was in university. And I probably think that was due to the fact that there's just too much to take in, you know? And consequently, he's back in Canada now. He lives in Alberta, but he hasn't gone back to university. And I wonder if that whole experience maybe just soured him a bit. So some of those kind of things have been challenging. Uh, My youngest son has, you know, had his moments because technology allows him to stay in touch with people back home, and, and yet he's here. So that can really lead to some tension. But, you know, remarkably well considering the distance we've moved. That's how my kids have done.
1: Wow, that's that's really uh, really awesome and and interesting too. I mean, I wonder, you know, for those of us in the West, we tend to think very um, culturally, like centrically, to our own culture. We we think about the world in terms of how we live. And I know for myself, when you first told me you were moving to Africa the pictures that you post online are not what I envisioned, you know, for the community that you were going to be going to. And that's sort of speaks to my ethnocentricity, I think, and my my worldview of what it's like in other places. Um, but can you speak a little bit about what it's like uh, where you are in South Africa?
2: Yeah, probably one of the biggest differences for us in terms of East versus West um, or Africa versus North America is here in where I live, I live in a, a neighborhood that's predominantly, I don't know if it's exclusively white, uh, white-skinned people, but it's it's pretty close if it isn't. And it's a more affluent community. We live in a house that by Western standards would be a comfortable middle-class kind of house. Uh, I have two cars, you know, a van to transport people around and a car that I drive, but within literally within 15 minutes of driving from my house, I can be in a community where people are living in shacks that they made out of wood. They scrounged from pallets with the corrugated metal roof and garbage everywhere. And they're literally, their income is maybe a couple hundred dollars a month on a good month. In, in the, the stark contrast of that in our town is something that I still, I guess I'm used to it in a sense, but it's just not, it's very jarring when you come from the West where, you know, the difference between rich and poor, and I'm not saying there aren't people who aren't rich in North America. There certainly are, but the the difference between the haves and the have nots, I guess, is very, very, um, evident in this culture, in fact, South Africa is listed as one of the countries in the world with the largest gap between those people who have means and those people who don 't so mm-hmm. yeah you have to navigate uh, just getting accustomed to that it's it 's challenging
1: yeah and you're and you 're working at it with a church there that 's planted or are planting.
2: Right. So we came with nothing. We've started a church. We've been, uh, myself and my ministry colleague, George, and his family, we've been working to plant a church here from, from scratch. So, yeah.
1: Wow, that's quite a, that's a bold undertaking for sure. Just thinking practically, you know, and, and I know myself, I, and I, I can't speak for all of the people that are listening to this, but for myself, when I think about move, moving to another place I think about the logistics I guess it's because I'm a dad and I think about what is it going to be like to move my family somewhere Um, I know moving from Nova Scotia to New Brunswick had lots of headaches what's it like trying to get a vehicle and trying to register a vehicle and finding out where the shopping mall is and and all those sorts of things you know figuring out the currency of money you know how, how kind of have you brought that all into your your language yeah that
2: that was a real you know sort of baptism by fire when we first arrived we had teammates who helped us so they said you know you need to go in that shop over there and ask about getting a cell phone and you need to go into that building there and open a bank account and you need to go to stand in that line to get your license and that kind of thing but the truth is everything took longer uh you, you had to just wait and People don't understand me because I'm North American. I don't use the words they use. I don't sound the way they sound, even though they're speaking English. And I'm used to if North Americans are are prize efficiency. So when I show up at the bank, I don't want to stand in a line for 20 minutes. I want to see a teller right away. I want that teller to do exactly what I tell her and to know what I'm talking about and to get me my service so I can get on to my next thing but that is just not the way it is in Africa. And so we have struggled by times with that process. So getting the license, you know, for my, I bought a car. That was fairly easy. Um, Then I went to the office, you know, the traffic department to register the car. So you pay a fee to register it. And then they take a little picture of you that you have to get done at a different place. And, they actually tape it like with a piece of clear cello tape. They just roll a piece (laughs) of tape across the paper and they give you this piece of paper and then they tell you you have to go to a different place to get your license plate and and it's a shop where they actually print them at the shop. They don't have them pre-made. So off to the shop to get that and then you got to go back to the main office and re-register something and, uh, yeah, that was a real – I spent the first couple of months I was here just doing stuff like that. And and really, it was a great education because, man, nothing was as it used to be for us. You know, nothing. Right.
1: Yeah. How big is the community that you're living in? Nice. Um, it's not yeah. nice. Is that the correct
2: pronunciation? Yeah. Yeah. You're one of the few people I've ever heard pronounce it right. So <laughs> congrats, <laughs> okay. congratulations. Yeah. One of those few places in the world that starts with a K that's silent, like Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, So there's about 70, 80,000 people here. So I'm going to say it's about as big as St. John. um, In the summertime when all the tourists are here, it's about as big as St. John, but it doesn't feel as near as big as St. John because everything's concentrated in the downtown. And then out around uh, downtown is these communities that are tucked behind hills and around corners and stuff. So you don't quite notice it. Maybe more like Fredericton, I guess, but about that size. Yeah.
1: Well that, uh, that kind of gives me a good picture of, of where you are and, and sort of, you know, what it is you're involved in. I I had something else I wanted to ask you about and I forgot to mention it before we started our our chat, but hopefully you won't feel uh, ambushed. And if you do, we'll, I'll edit it out. (laughs) Um, One of the things that, um, as a, a missionary myself, only I'm working domestically. I, I work as a missionary right here in New Brunswick. Um, but I have relationship with churches and individuals. And so those churches then are connected with our ministry. And, and, you know, for myself being a missionary here, I can go to my local church and I can have spiritual fellowship and I can have accountability and encouragement um, for you planting a church mm-hmm. on another continent how how are your churches you know ministering to you i guess i i don't and and i guess what's driving my question is that i'm not sure that all of the churches that i'm connected with think about my relationship with them in those terms Mm -hmm. um so a lot of churches i think look at me as their professional missionary Mm-hmm. And I look at them as someone who could be ministering to me as well as me ministering in the way that I'm ministering. And so for you across in Africa, how how can churches best minister to your family? I know I'm sure that there are times when you crave fellowship. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, just, you know, there's a number of things that come to mind, but just a little point of contact along the way. I, I send out, I, I'm kind of like an uber missionary when it comes to contact. So I send weekly email updates. I write letters. I, my wife was handwriting letters, mailing them back to different people that we knew. And I mean, so we really put in a lot of effort into staying in touch, keeping current. That's really the purpose of our Facebook page. It's just to help people sort of see what's going on. But I have to tell you, it's a very one-sided relationship. So it's very much, you know, I send, I write, I send pictures, I, do. and many times I don't even hear from people that they've read what I send them. In fact, sometimes I hear from people who say, "Yo, oh, you know, it's too much, man. I can't read all this stuff." Uh, and and I appreciate that. I'm I'm, it's my full-time job, so I appreciate that they may not, they may not feel like they can keep up. And that's that's no problem. But I have a couple of pastors who send me maybe a picture of their family. They just WhatsApp me, a picture of their family and them, you know, out uh, for a burger. Hey, a lot of you, here's a picture. I got to tell you, that is so cool. Like, so I'm just like, oh, their kids are growing up. Oh, look, uh, you know, these different things are happening in their family. And I've, of course, if I had, you know, I probably have 35 to 40 churches in my support network. I I can't, I mean, I couldn't handle information overload from all of them either, but I don't, I'm not looking for, you know, extended epistles, just little points of contact. I had a pastor, um, he actually was visiting us. He he actually came to Africa to visit us, which was greatly appreciated. Wow. Um, But in the course of talking, he mentioned a building. And I said, boy, are you guys not renting that storefront that you were using when I came to visit you? And he said, oh, no, we have bought a building and we've renovated the building and we're meeting in this building now in another part of town. And I had no idea. And I just thought that kind of thing would be just really helpful. Church hires a new staff member. Send your missionaries Hmm. a note. You know, so that those points of contact are very meaningful from a spiritual aspect. And I know, Grant, you were sort of a little more talking about the spiritual aspect. I think missionaries tend to be put your head down, put your shoulder to the wheel and just push and do what you got to do. And it probably is true that if I showed up at a conference or if I actually was in a church on Sunday where I wasn't preaching, where I was just sitting and being preached to, I would probably discover that wow, I, I really needed that. <laughs> like, because you just get going in missions and you're doing stuff and you've got projects and you've got goals and you're pushing and you're trying to get a church going and you're not really thinking a lot about, boy I could use the ministry of the word in my own life in a person to person way rather than just through a, you know, media sort of thing. So yeah, just having you say that makes me think, huh, it would be kind of nice to sit somewhere and have someone else open the word and be encouraged and enriched by that. But I I must say, we have a team of people here. And and so it's really not like, you know, the Apostle Paul when he goes to Athens when he's all by himself. I mean, I'm, I'm not like that. There's people here. So we have lots of connection and friendships. And that is so very helpful. But yeah, spiritually speaking, I could probably use a few Sundays
1: in a church somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I asked the question because it's been my experience as well. And, and just for the people who are listening, a couple of things that I, I have a couple of churches that do a great job of communicating back with yeah. me. And we have one church uh, in the Miramichi that they'll just send me an obituary. If someone in the church passes away, the, the head of the missions committee sends me a little note. Um, once in a while, she'll send an email and say, Hey, here's what's going on in the church right now. And here's who got married and here's this. And I just love, I love that they do that. And I find that that's a real relational connectivity and they're ministering to me in that way. I have another church in Maine. They just send me their bulletin every week. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm on their email list and they send me a PDF of their bulletin. And I, I think that for, for churches that are thinking about how can they have a rich missions, uh, program being interactive and relational with their missionaries in simple ways is really important. But um, one other thing that I thought of that I thought, I thought I would mention um, Herb, and you can correct me if you think I'm off base with this, but sometimes it's easy for people who are sitting in the churches to see the missionaries on Facebook and then the missionary maybe goes for a vacation where they live. And maybe the missionary goes to some place that they've only seen in National Geographic and they have pictures of fun with their family. And it can be easy for people sitting in the pew to be critical. Well, I thought we were supporting them to do ministry. And, and that's true, yes. But I think we need to um, recognize that our missionaries need to have time to minister to their families, too. Um, and I think that that's that's an area that we should celebrate with our missionaries. There's this wonderful opportunity they have to work day and night to saturate themselves in a new culture and have all of the stress that goes with that. And then God gives us this grace to see His wonderful world with our family and have that ministry, and I would just challenge our audience to think more grace-filled about those kinds of things. And I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that, Herb?
2: Yeah, we we actually talk about this often as a team because social media is so pervasive in our day. Mm -hmm. And our team leader often will tell us to please be careful with what you post on Facebook, particularly pictures at the beach. You know, we live, we are surrounded by beaches where we live. I can drive from my house and in less than five minutes, I'm on a beautiful sandy beach. The waves are crashing in. And we'll often go there on Sunday afternoons to just unwind, talk together as ministry families, splashing the waves a little bit, plan, strategize, or just goof off, you know. We take a volleyball Mm -hmm. net there. We play volleyball with people who happen by on the beach. And so we do even use it as ministry time. But, yeah, I haven't... I haven't heard of that from anybody in my support network where they're saying, you know, Hey, Herb, you seem to be spending a lot of time at the beach or a lot of time on vacation. But the challenge is, yeah. of course, I think that's probably a background noise that goes on in churches. You know, people are thinking, Hey, what, what, what's that missionary doing? Look, I don't want to, I really don't want to whine because I'm, I'm not a whining missionary and I feel like I'm well supported and I have a good life here in Africa. If, and there is such a thing in Africa as a good life. Um, but I would remind people, um, I'm halfway around the world. I am away from all those people that I knew and loved. I'm in a different culture. I'm around people who don't look like me. They don't think like me. They think I'm a little strange. So if I need a week or two to go and unwind with my family, yeah, there should be some grace with, with that moment because you don't, I, it's, and again, I don't want to sound, I hate it when missionaries sound like they're whining, but you do not understand what it's like to be in a totally different culture and the stress of that reality that just goes on over the course of, of time. I don't think people appreciate how that affects a person so that is a, a, a definitely a um important consideration it It really is truly a thing that um i don't think many people consider carefully so yeah I, and i don't I'm not complaining i was God called me here, he has equipped me, he has given me a great life That um, I'm happy for it but um yeah, people need to understand um you're not just, um, you're not just, oh boy, how do I say this? You're not just a pastor. You're not just a, you're everything. You're the church janitor. You're the person who does the bulletin. You're the guy who has to sort out church disputes. You're doing deacon stuff. You're doing preaching, study, counseling. <laughs> it's all encompassing. This. Um, and, and, and all of that's happening while you're, asserting yourself
1: into a foreign alien culture. I mean, I don't, I don't get the sense you're whining at all. And I I get to bear the weight of that because I asked you the question, but Mm -hmm. I think I I hear more of those kind of comments because I am a domestic missionary. So I'm in churches. You'll, you'll maybe hear some of it when you go back on furlough, but I'm in churches more regularly and I'll hear comments like, well, did you see that missionary went to Disneyland or did you see this other thing? And, and I think, you know, it's good for us to be invested and it's good for us to um, to give everything that we have for our ministry, but God has also graced us with these opportunities. and we have a I believe I have a ministry to my family uh, as well. so so I appreciate your insight in that and 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 I couldn't agree agree more. you know I think uh, we need to recognize that that the task of intercultural ministry is is a lifestyle. It's not like, it's not like simply a, a job you do for a day, you know, and and it's 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 all encompassing. It it takes the whole thing. So
2: I think if well, I people it. here's what I think: if people actually read the voluminous amount of information that I'm sending them about what's going on here and what we're doing, when I happen to text them and say, Hey, we're taking a week to go up to Botswana to sit in the bush and look at elephants, which would be a very, very cool thing to do. We haven't done that by the way, <laughs> but we've talked You're about right, it, but it's too expensive <laughs> to do right now. But then they should, they would see it in the context of the ministry work that I've done. They wouldn't see it as, I've never heard from this guy, but I see lots of pictures on Facebook of the fun that he's having. And Facebook is, right. look, who posts on Facebook exactly the life that they're having?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You,
2: you take pictures of the best food that you eat. You take pictures of the most fun things that you do. You take you know you don't put on Facebook, oh man, well I guess some people do, but I don't. You know, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. I'm depressed and discouraged. I need help. I'm thinking about quitting. Nobody puts that stuff on social media. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I I hear you. We we have become um a people who measure metric on social media. And, yeah. and I think that that's, that's not a healthy uh, a healthy way to measure right. anything. I, I have a podcast actually that I'm going to record with a friend of mine about how we measure ministry. And I think, you know, that's a, we won't rabbit trail in that direction, but um, I think that, as Western Christians, we have a tendency to want to fill a jar or fill a wall and count heads and and instead of simply faithful obedience and faithful life and faithful ministry being the the measure of success, you know and anyway that's a whole that's a whole other a yeah, whole other combo, right.
2: but you're right yeah,
1: but look, herb, I really appreciate you taking some time today to talk to me and giving us a a bit of a feel of what it's like to to jump overseas and, and jump in and uh, really appreciate your ministry and, and what you're involved in there. And your, I've appreciated you personally over the years, and, uh, and so it's been really good.
2: Well, it's great to see you. God bless you and your ministry there. And anytime you want to come see how it goes in South Africa, we've got a place for you, your family, or you and your wife, whoever wants to come, that would be the greatest encouragement of all. To see uh, people come take an interest in ministry and just not come to judge or to investigate but come to enjoy what God is doing here that'd be great
1: yeah yeah I appreciate that brother thank you
0: this has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts